Twitter, at Dave Reaboy, R-E-A-B-O-I, is his handle. He's a national security and political warfare analyst. He's a brother in that he is a fellow at the Claremont Institute, and he knows a lot about jazz and other things. David, welcome back. How are you, sir? I'm great. It's wonderful to be here. I opened with some music I hoped you would like. You uh, often you often send me recommendations. Do you want to say a word about uh, about this latest? Sure. That track is the final one from Marisa Monte's. Um, what a lot of people think is her her best record from from 1994, um, uh, Rose and Charcoal, and uh, and it's a really wonderful tune. It's a kind of traditional samba that kicks into high gear towards the end with. Um, with a large Brazilian group of singers and percussionists from the um, from uh, the you know what's, what's called the old guard of the Portela samba school. Mm-hmm. So it's a really um, uh, kind of really evocative, totally Brazil track. Fabulous! Uh, I'm going to listen to more of it. I uh, have learned to when you recommend something, do it, listen to it, <laughs> or think it. Uh, so thank you for that, Dave. I should mention you yourself are a musician bass, if I'm not mistaken, yes? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Perfect. Uh, he is our Stanley Clark of politics. He is David Riaboy, who had a really interesting piece over at, Subst- at uh, Substack on, uh, how shall I put this, um, uh, would you call it Never Trump Conservatism? Would you call it Conservatism, Inc.? Would you, how, would, how would you call your piece that uh, drew the ire of Jonah Goldberg, which is a pretty good indication that it's a smart piece? Huh. Well, um, I, it, was, it was actually a thing that I had written in The American Mind in June, which is, um, which is uh, I just wanted to offer advice. And, and you know, it's, it's advice that, that I'm trying to take myself, which is that um, it's been – Several years. It's been like what five years now since since 2016, and I think I think we've kind of reached the, the the end of the road when it comes to having the same arguments about you know whether it be about Trump or about the larger the, the kind of the larger thing, which is that uh, there are a lot of folks who ended up becoming never Trumpers who just don't see the problem of. You know the problem of, of modern day America as as you know that big of a deal, and you know they think it's very easy to go back to um, you know to go back to 2004 or even 1984. Um, you know our friend Michael Anton uh, uh, wrote about this kind of um, attitude or pose in um, in the Flight 93 election, mm-hmm. um, and um, and a lot of people who um, a lot of people who kind of, uh, you know, still think it's possible to return to to Reaganism in in this in this age. Um, but what I wanted to do is just say, you know what? Enough with these with these these bitter back and forth. You're not going to convince them. If you want to demean them and mock them, okay, fine, have your fun. But you know, you're you're not entering into a real conversation. Um, a real give and take, and, and having the same fight over and over again five years after the fact, it's just, it's, it's kind of, 
it's old and 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 it does it does nothing. So yeah, no, no, that's right. So so why why do you, why why did someone like Jonah, who I guess maybe his. I, I guess his stock in trade is this kind of thing, is this back and forth, uh, or at least trying to, 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 to take people like yourself, he's done it with me, on over very small things. Is, is this what we've come to expect from the legacy of uh, the once great uh, standard of conservative thought in America, National Review? Well, yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, yes. I mean, National Review is, 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 more, is more diverse, but... Um, uh, you know, but I mean, I'm I'm just talking about the people who just keep writing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again, mm-hmm. having the same arguments, and and frankly, they're not they're not very smart. You know, they're 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 not particularly well read when it comes to um, when it comes to what folks on you know will say like uh, you know the, the 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 kind of you know dissident right or 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 the the Claremont right believe. Mm-hmm. You know, they they just um, they they interact with folks on the left, and 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 that's it. And really, what they've done is they put themselves in in a in a really absurd position, which is that oh, you know, we're in the middle, and everyone to our left and everyone to our right is crazy, and we're the moderate. You know, we're the moderate ones. And um, you know, I I just think it's just you know, I think it's a position that's kind of full of it, and um, and 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 silly. But um, but it's not getting us anywhere. So rather than you know talk about these guys over and over and over, because there's a temptation to do that. I mean, I have a lot of wonderful friends who really really relish going after these folks mm-hmm. um, all the time. And yeah, of course, there's an element of it that's that's that's, that's fun. But um, but you know what? Better to uh, you know I, I've been trying to follow my own advice. I've been trying to interact with folks. With whom I uh, I see eye to eye with on maybe the big things, and you know within that it's just it's just much more fruitful. Talk to me about this phrase I now see. It's certainly in your Substack column. It's certainly the the head of it, and uh, at, 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 at your name ID, and you're you're putting it up on Twitter. Uh, late Republic nonsense. Talk to me about the concept of late Republic. Um, I, I, um, it was the thing that, that kind of popped into my head a couple of years ago and it, it started to recur every time I'd see some absurd thing in the news or, um, you know, I mean, many of the things that happen today feel very late Republic, Mm. you know, for example, I mean, really the biggest one is the one that we kind of broadly speaking, talk about all the time around the Claremont world, which is the fact that the, the rise and growth of the administrative state to this point has, has really fundamentally changed the regime of the founders. And it's no longer a regime of the founders when, when you have most of the functions run by experts, you know, quote-unquote, quote-unquote experts. And, um, and these people make decisions that are far removed from voters and even far removed from, from the representatives that voters elect to make these decisions, which is members of Congress. Um, so when we, see, when we see members of Congress acting like social media influencers 
rather than legislators. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what happens in a late republic when there's nothing really for a member of Congress to do. You know, they're not going to, what, what are they going to do? What, they're going to write bills? You know, what, what are they going to do aside from, you know, goof off on TikTok? Uh, because their primary responsibilities have been really taken from them. So it's just basically a ceremonial office in many ways. And that's part of the late republic. And the nonsense part is the part we see all around us. You know, another word is, you know, clown world America, um, where, you know, we, we, we see things that, that maybe when we were growing up or even five, ten years ago would have seemed inconceivable. Oh, things are moving uh, quite, a, yeah. quite a speed. There's no question about it. I, I, I see When I see late republic, I think uh, I have a friend in California who uh, for the past year, year and a half, lives in California, don't forget, has not Florida like yourself or Arizona like me. He refers to this country, it's very sad, uh, as the country that used to be called America. And uh, the reason he says that, I'll just give you two items in the news today, David, uh, that, that may go to your point. There's a story in the Wall Street Journal, I, I don't know if you saw it, but it had to do with the Navy and Navy training and one recently retired senior enlisted leader says, um, I guarantee you every unit in the Navy is up to speed on their diversity training. I'm sorry that I can't say the same of their ship handling training. That's one. And the other is a story out of Vermont where they are now electing, uh, uh, now allowing non-citizens to vote in statewide races. And a friend of mine wrote me, he says, we keep removing everything that defines us as a nation, citizenship, voting, borders, the point of the military. Can I have you comment on that when we come back? Sure. I would love to. Thank you. David Riaboy is our guest. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Delighted to have, privileged to have David Riaboy with us. You can follow him on Twitter, and uh, he always links to his other publications. He's published in uh, many different venues, at Dave Riaboy, D-A-V-E-R-E-A-B-O-I. Uh, if you don't follow him, uh, you want to uh, be smart and join his 135,000 followers on Twitter and follow him. You know, I was just thinking, Dave, before we get back into politics and cult and um, uh, mm -hmm. exclusively for a moment, culture for another, if I could, you're you're telling me um, about these uh, jazz, uh, this jazz musician that you liked so much um, from uh, from uh, Latin America. It dawns on me, you know, there's a lot of Latin American influence in jazz, and a lot of American jazz musicians from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Were deeply into the combination of Latin music and jazz, weren't they? I mean, I think Dizzy Gillespie did some. We all know of some of the strings players who come from uh, that background, or even someone like Alex Acuna in rhythm. I'm thinking of Perez Prado. There's a lot there in the Latin jazz combination, isn't there? For sure. Well, Dizzy was uh, Dizzy was really the first. Okay. Who went and, and hired a, um, a Cuban percussionist for his big band in. Uh, in 1947, uh, and recorded a bunch of tracks that were kind of known to be the uh, the first Latin jazz recording. 
uh, and they're still fantastic. If you want to find one, you have to Google Dizzy Gillespie Manteca, and you will find a great one. Fantastic. Nicely put. Nicely said. Right before the break, David, so um, I was I was kind of asking you about uh, this uh, sentiment in certain circles from my friend in California. Now, Californians have been abused in a way Floridians and Arizonans haven't. You're in Florida. That's why I mentioned Florida. And he talks about a country that used to be known as America. I think it's too strong. Um, but I get it. I take it. And when you and and when you look at the various headlines that people like you and I tend to look at, the state of Vermont, I gave you two things. The state of Vermont is now allowing non-citizens to vote in statewide races. You have uh, this issue with the military where they seem to be far more interested in postmodern uh, French uh, and uh, American critical race theorists than they are military theorists. It's all it's all quite, how shall I say it, intimidating. That's a word for it. It's quite intimidating. Yeah, I mean, intimidating is a good word for it. If you are sort of part of the um, part of the old America, yeah, um, you know, you're part of the, the kind of old American nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're looking around and you're thinking to yourself, you know, how did everything change? Yeah, and it's everything. Everything changed. Everything but talk and, radio, um, you bet. Right. And um, I think something, my personal take on it is we can trace this to around 2015. And interestingly enough, since we're talking about California, is the, the Caitlyn Jenner slash trans thing. Okay. Um, when, when that first happened, I think it was so comprehensive in the culture, oh. in, in media and, and, and wherever. Their, their messaging was so effective in terms of stifling any dissent whatsoever. I think they turned around, and uh, which is like the, the last the media, they turned around and they realized, oh my God, we can take anything we want. Yeah. Yeah. And they just said, we're going to now do every possible thing as a as a as a moral crusade um and by asserting it enough times and with enough power through media and social media and um uh and 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 the politicians and every other bit of culture they were able to you know they were able to, to flip the switch so to speak on all of these things that had once you know, we had once taken for granted uh, in, in American life. Right. So and, they made uh, the transgressive conventional, in a way. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was sort of always on the, you know, it was, it was always on on the script. Right. For, 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 you know, down later, right. you know, 10, 15 years down the road. Or academic fringe. They, or academic fringe right. that we never thought was going anywhere. And then the Ivy... Sure. Ivory Towers sure. had a lab leak, didn't they? <laughs> I, I lived, I lived in, when I lived in San Francisco in the early 2000s, in the late 90s, um, I would encounter people saying the same thing. They would talk this way, the way people are, are talking. This, you know, it, it was it was it was CRT language. It was yeah. um, it was exactly the same, but it was in the cafes of Berkeley and in San Francisco, right. and and it was only social media that let this dragon out of the box that's interesting or, or, you know, so like they the yeah right. i i refer to it as a lab leak from the ivory towers right right because but because social media allowed got, it they opened the door yes 
because now with Instagram and Twitter and all of these things and, and, and insane blogs and, and, uh, and other outlets, you've got middle-class people in West Virginia who are every bit as social justice crazy right. as the folks that we used to encounter. Right, right. Right. This is Michael Medved's old point from 30 years ago before social media when he was talking uh, about uh, Hollywood and the culture. And he was saying to those who say, if you don't like it, turn it off. Let me tell you, there are people in Appalachia who know who Madonna is. You can't just turn this off anymore. It it is so all inclusive that it now affects uh, everything uh, from what we used to refer to as hard America, the military, athletic, professional athletic events. It's more popular to be anti-American at national athletic events than it is to be pro-American. It's an awfully odd thing. I was teasing. I wonder what would happen this week if an NBA coach tweeted support for the protesters in Cuba the way Daryl Morey tried to for the protesters in Hong right. Kong, right? I, he wasn't allowed to. Right. Yeah, look, look I mean, all of these, I, I really hope, I mean, on one hand, it's terrible, right. which is the big hand. You know, on the big hand, it's, it's yeah. obviously clearly horrible. But the, the, the glimmer of hope that I have is that as this stuff gets so obvious, maybe it could have the effect of waking up so many sleeping boomers. You know, and I don't say like boomers really as a pejorative, but there are a lot of folks out there who grew up, um, you know, kind of before we did, and they have this idea that America is static and the things that we love about this place will always be here. And, you know, there, there will never be a point of no return and it's always going to be the same basic um, uh, place that, you know, that, that it's always been. Well, the answer is no. There's a cycle of regimes. Countries come and they rise and they fall and they mutate into one form of government mutates into another into another form, and um, nothing you know entropy is 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 real. It exists. Um, can I know, can I can I do this with you, David? Can I do this? Can I take? Sure. Let me take this one more break if I can with you, and we have a short segment coming up because I want to talk about the project to fix it. Uh, which a lot of people think is insurmountable. I happen not to think it's insurmountable, but I think it's insurmountable so long as we keep fighting those on our team. So I think to that degree, I'm with you. I'd love to think, get your thoughts on the insurmountability of this when we come back. Can I do that? Absolutely. David Riaboy is our guest. I'm Seth Leibson. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have David Riaboy with us. I love this job. I get to call smart people like David and just talk about what's going on. David, um, we talked about the uh, seemingly Sisyphean task of recovering this country, given all the institutional leftism against us. Tell me, <clears throat> you talk about uh, late republic nonsense. You talk. Tell me about how we uh, can restore common sense. Uh Tell me how you see the stakes and the ability for us to uh, restore this republic. Um, I don't. <laughs> I, um, I I don't think there's a way to put the genie back in the bottle, um, or or to uh, or to get things back to the way they were. I think um, the most prudent course of action 
for those of us who still want an America um, resembling that of the founding in some way um, is to regroup and to go and fortify places that are currently red. So be with the folks uh, you know who, who don't hate you. Be with the folks who um, who agree with you on most things. And if that means picking up and leaving New York, New York State, or New Jersey, or Illinois, or California, or what have you, and 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 coming to Florida, or um, or to Tennessee, or to Texas, or Alabama, or places like that, um, I think that's um, you know, or or to Arizona, in fact, which which actually could use more, uh, you know, more more voters who are going to vote correctly. Yeah. Um, that's the thing to do, and then, and then once there, build institutions. And what I mean by that is that um, start making businesses expressly for people who feel the way you do about politics. Because guess what? Um, you're not going to have another choice. You know, we're going to need banks. We're going to need credit card payment processes. We're going to need pizzerias and supermarkets. And um, and uh, uh, sneaker companies and and things like that um, because a it's funding our enemies you know and b to the extent that um, that they'll allow us to to patronize them and use their services at all so um, in order to really get autonomy uh, we need to start thinking about creating about about a physical separation. And then creating the things that we will need in order to secure that outside. You know, at the same time you say that and sound this uh, alarm or bell, David, I think about your state and I think about your governor. Um, it's not that he's good, it, and I'm 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 watching him from Arizona. So I, you know, you may have a different perspective. It's not that he's good, your governor. It's that he is so amazingly good, from my perspective. <laughs> that you almost at once say, well, okay, he's the standout. And on the other, isn't this, isn't what he says and does everything conservatism has wanted and talked for forever, but doesn't seem to want to execute it and then gets all kind of Margaret Thatcher wobbly or, you know, the warning against being wobbly uh, that Margaret Thatcher spoke of because he's doing it. I mean, I, it just seems to me he is so clear, so ahead of the curve, and right on the line on every major issue we give a damn about, and doing courageous things with it. It just at the once, as I say, it's 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 refreshing. And then on the other hand, I just wonder what's the matter with the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it takes. I, I am, um, uh, you know, I take second fiddle to to no one as as a as a DeSantis. Supporter. Yeah, good. Um, I think. I, I mean, I, I think he's uh, he's absolutely just fantastic, and and part of that comes from the fact that he is one of us. Yeah, okay. I mean, he grew up. He grew up listening to Rush Limbaugh. Okay. They developed a friendship later on, um, but he is basically us. So that's why it's not weird for him. He's not speaking a foreign language when he deals with um, with uh, conservatives and. and Republican Party or lefties or lefties. Us. He understands the left. He gets right. It. Right. 
and um, and and he understands the left firsthand. See, and that's what I don't think Jonah Trump gets, for example. Um, right? No, no. All of these people. Um, I mean, what a lot of these folks that I, that we were talking about, you know, in the, in the mm-hmm. prior segment, mm-hmm. you know, Goldberg and French and, mm-hmm. and, and some of the National Review people. Mm-hmm. What unites them all, frankly, is that they never read the, the crazier far lefties. Never ever. Oh, so, oh, so that's it, interesting. interesting. This, okay, this is something that I noticed. So years they ago. miss the existential threat that we see. They totally miss it Got because it. the people that they interact with are all, you know, quote unquote, you know, relatively reasonable, and they they're just they're just not curious. You know, they haven't. When we're talking about CRT, do you think that they've read um, Kendi or? Um, you know, or, or, or some of the uh, the left intellectual theorists on which the movement is based. No, they'd of rather take not. you and me apart. Nobody has. They'd rather Correct. work on you and me. Correct. Yeah. That's exactly what they'd rather do. And misunderstand us because we understand the left and they don't. David Riaboy, that was enlightening. I it never dawned on me. It's because we read the left and they don't. Nicely put. Nicely put. Well, brother, um, you've given me a lot to listen to tonight and a lot to think about, but that's that's your stock in trade. I really appreciate no, your time and all your well, work. Thank you. Thank you for having Politico me. Politico calls you a white wing. It's always a great pleasure. It's always fun. There's nothing like good friends, good adult friendships that are created in the times of war, and I hope to actually physically meet you one of these days, although I know I will be physically intimidated by you when I do. Well, come to Florida. <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. I'll 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 have a Jimmy Buffett Florida day and 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 we'll go and watch some manatees. God bless you, yeah, David Ria boy. We'll talk to you soon. You too, man. Take care. Talk Bye-bye. to you soon. Bye bye. I could just listen to this. So you turn it down. You and I are in a collision course today, aren't we? I wanted a little Don Williams. God, that's so beautiful. Just so beautiful. If you'd like me to play this game, I will. I've done it before. Um, first, Joe Biden tells us Hispanic and African American, Hispanics and African Americans. Um, aren't very um, dexterous at the use of the Internet. In February, he says, in the Hispanic and the African-American communities, inner city districts, they don't know how to use, know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the Walgreens or at the particular store. That was Joe Biden and minorities in February, not knowing how to get online or how to get a vaccine. Kamala Harris yesterday is giving an interview on television, and uh, is it with Soledad O'Brien, of all people? I thought she was long gone. I don't know how she came back. I blocked her years ago. She's the only person I blocked because it was so frustrating. Um, Really, I think she is the only person I have ever blocked. The reason I blocked her, by the way, I remember the day I did it. The day I did it is when Janice Dean came out, you know, the Fox News weather person when she came out with the story of her in-laws who were um, killed uh, from 
the policies of Andrew Cuomo and Soledad O'Brien tweeted about a fellow journalist. Here come now here come the meteorologists. That's that's what Soledad snippily wrote that to condemn Janice Dean, who had a good story, has a good story, has a very moving story. And her fellow sister and journalist uh, condemned her for her profession. That was enough of Soledad for me. Anyway, she has Kamala Harris on yesterday and asks Kamala about Vice President Harris, why we can't engage in voter ID. And Kamala has this very odd new answer. It's it's amazing (laughs) when the left invents answers that just make you kind of have your jaw drop. You realize they don't have good answers. But J.D. Vance takes her on. J.D. Vance is running for Senate in Ohio. If you missed his interview earlier today with Seb Gorka, it was great. Um, he's the author of Hillbilly Elegy. Do we have this audio of him going over the Kamala Harris interview with Soledad O'Brien? Go right ahead. People have to understand that when we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. But look, if you talk to people, you talk to Ohioans, or you just read a poll, you find out that rural Americans are actually strongly in favor of voter ID. Well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't. There's no... Kinkos, there's no office max near them. It's amazing that the vice president of the United States thinks that people can't make photocopies in rural communities. I mean, it's like she thinks that if you go to a small town in this country, you've got the tractor supply store, you've got the guys with the dueling banjos, and there's nothing else there. And of course, that's ridiculous. And anybody who lives in these communities or spent time in them knows that. I, mean, I don't. I don't understand the point that you're making. Yeah, the 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 Harris thing is is I think going to run thin. It's amazing to me when you think of the far fall she has suffered in only the last nine months when she went from hero to young girls everywhere to blathering idiot. They used to say in the uh, in fact Jen Psaki did say that they try and keep Joe Biden away from the microphones as much as possible. I guarantee you there's talk in the White House trying to keep Kamala Harris away from the microphones as much as possible. Pretty soon, um, the entire government and the entire federal government is going to have one spokesman in Jen Psaki. I worry about that because she's not elected. I worry about that because she doesn't know that uh, Cuba is a communist country or if she does, which she probably does. That's hyperbole on my part. She's unwilling to say it, and that's the far deeper question of interest to me. Why does she refuse to call Cuba a communist country? Um, She said today from the podium that Cuba is going through protests because of economic mismanagement. It raises that very interesting question of Aristotle's. What is a good man in a bad regime? What is a bad man in a good regime? Um, Is it economic mismanagement in Cuba or are they doing what good communists do, which is obviously manage the the country, manage the entire country economically um, based on distributionist philosophy and collectivist philosophy while at the same time holding dissidents under a thumbscrew? Is that is that is that not what's happening? Uh, is 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 the communist government 
of Cuba not acting like good communists? Of course they are. To her, that's economic mismanagement. Well, say it. It would be nice to hear the press secretary of the United States condemn communism. Is that too much to ask? It was the question we asked whenever we were making foreign policy decisions once upon a time. Does it further communism or hurt it? Well, I give you the times. Welcome back. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. I wanted to close with something Andrew Sullivan wrote. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a liberal who hasn't totally lost his mind. He has a great piece at the New York Post. It's bigger than CRT. And he asks, what is the it? It is, I'd argue, the sudden, rapid, stunning shift in the belief system of the American elites. It has sent the whole society into a profound cultural dislocation. It is, in essence, an ongoing moral panic against the specter of white supremacy, which is now bizarrely regarded as an accurate description of the largest, freest, most successful multiracial democracy in human history. We all know it's happened. The elites increasingly sequestered within one political party and one media monoculture Educated by colleges and private schools that have become hermetically sealed against any non-left dissent, have had a social justice reckoning these past few years, and they have been ideologically transformed with countless cascading consequences. Take it from a New York Times woke star, Kara Swisher, who celebrated this week that, quote, the country's social justice movement is reshaping how we talk about well, everything, close quote. She's right, and certainly about the New York Times and all mainstream journalism. Everything is up for grabs, including our language, including our language. Everything is up for grabs. Thank you, Andrew, for that. You can get it uh, at the New York Post. It's bigger than CRT. Radical ideology is transforming the United States of America. Not here. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Liebson, and class is dismissed.